What are you going to do, Commissioner? There's only one thing we can do. Sir, it's the Batman. Yes, Commissioner. Batman. We'll be right there. Biff, bam, pal. This is Batman Land. Be careful. Maybe a trap. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show. We're Batman and Robin, a crime fighters. Each week we discuss the 1966 Batman TV show. We discuss the episodes that air this week on SBS Viceland. My name is Dan Barrett, millionaire playboy and an editor here at SBS. So let's go, Robin. I'm joined here by my spiritual evil twin and co-host Fiona Williams. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. And also joining us in the studio is ABC Gold Coast Mornings presenter, Nicole Dyer. It is so good to be here because someone actually had to take charge of the subtle interrogation lab. <laughs> Someone's got to drive that baby, so I'm glad I can help. Now, I listen to Nicole Dyer every so often through earphones, and it's weird to see a voice coming out of the mouth. <laughs> so weird. We yeah. keep looking at each other going, no. <laughs> uh, but no, it's good to see you in the flesh, and I'm so excited about this because now I have now officially uh, reunited with Batman after many, many moons. Yeah, now it's exciting. Now, you were saying that you hadn't seen the show before we started recording. Uh, you hadn't seen the show since you were a kid. I know. What about the movie? There was that 1966 movie. Have you seen that one? Uh, no. no. And that's why this was such a big deal to me because I hadn't seen any of the whole skyscraper walking or hadn't seen a Batman and Robin and admiring their tights and their legs and their just it was fantastic and it was beautiful to see it through the eyes of an adult uh, because when I remember seeing it as a kid it, I was so innocent and loved every moment of it and then watching it again last night I went no I should no. That's no. That's that was hilarious. So there you go. I'm feeling a bit bad. We didn't give you a better episode. No, no. This is a good one. You Thank you, Fiona. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favourites. Really? <laughs> it's one for the ages. I struggled with the first half hour of this one, but the second one kind of came good. I don't know. If you love kitsch, it's all in this one. Okay, yeah. but as always, Fiona, I don't remember what happened in the episode. Please run us through it. Settle in. Um, these week's episodes have it all. It's got evil twins, bad accents, bum notes, bat scatting, <laughs> fake deaths, and a double dose of Liberace. Gosh, he's quite a famous ladies man, isn't he? <laughs> if you're going to get straight Liberace, there has to be a not so straight Liberace. <laughs> it, was the, it was the perfect yin and yang. It is all in there. Um, early on, we know this isn't going to be a business as usual episode when the show's structure is upended within the first couple of minutes. Batman's on holiday. Unprecedented Batman and Robin not available. And Commissioner Gordon and Chief O'Hara are more alarmed than most of us at the idea of having to do their jobs themselves. The moment we've dreaded for years has arrived. The villain is a great piano maestro, Shondell, who is tickling the ivories at Stately Wayne Manor. I'll toy idly with the keys and set the mood again. When a trio of Highland hotties break in and steal some jewels. Oh, good day to you, lads and lassies. A very Good day to you. Turns out they're working for Shondell himself, who's in cahoots with his cigar-chomping twin, Harry. They're utterly fooled. Harry's blackmailed Shondell into a life of crime, threatening to expose the fact that he's a fraud who fake plays a piano. You fiend. When Batman and Robin finally show up, Harry feeds them into a perforated paper feeder uh, to be turned into a piano roll themselves or something. <laughs> uh, but Batman's perfect pitch saves the day. Apparently. Holy perfect pitch! Meanwhile, Shondell works his lady killer charms on poor old Aunt Harriet in a plot to take over the Wayne fortune. Yes, sweet lady. It has been most delicious. Bruce and Dick fake their deaths, and it's Aunt Harriet who tweaks for once. Here's the thing. I often look at your work and I'm like, Fiona Williams, professional but it's only now I heard you say the word pianola <laughs> in one take that I realised Fiona Williams, she's got it going on. Look, look and learn, Dan. <laughs> so many lessons to take away from this one. So at the beginning we do open, there's the Great Wayne Foundation benefit. It's an annual benefit taking place. 
I don't understand why Bruce and Dick are on holidays if there's this big benefit taking place sometime soon. Correct. But Bruce is all set up to listen via some, some weird setup. area while he is uh, muskrat hunting with his chum. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away. With excellent reception in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Now, I was a little bit uneasy about this because Batman, well, sorry, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, the two of them are regularly making excuses to leave Wayne Manor and go and fight crime in tights. The excuse to Aunt Harriet is always they're going off fishing or camping or some sort of other male-orientated leisure activity. And Bruce is out there in the wilds with some other gentleman. Some other guy. Dick's wooing some sweetie pie in a malt in a, shop. Yes, yes, and has to make up quite the excuse to leave suddenly. <laughs> now, I've never dated someone in a malt shop like this before. <laughs> shop, S-H-O-P-P-E. I've not done that, but I would assume that it's generally not considered good manners or good grace to spill an ice cream over the front of your date for the day. Correct, but it's a good way to end the date. Yeah. For- yeah. And she seemed really understanding, didn't she? <laughs> she really, gosh, she, gee, she did. <laughs> Golly, jeez, he had to go. If you get the chance to go on a date with Dick Grayson, like, you take the opportunity. He, he's a very excitable young man <laughs> in so many ways. Golly, is he ever. Now, he's got the secret like message coming to him from Bruce, and it's like a light lighting up on the book. Surely they could vibrate something. Like, I've got to watch that vibrates if I get a message. Like, wouldn't that be more covert? It works. I mean, they've got some pretty sophisticated technology there in the Batcave. <laughs> you just think. Also, couldn't Dick come up with a better excuse than ruining the girl's dress for the day? Like, could he not take the book and say he's got to go to the bathroom or something? It's a bit uncouth, but maybe that's a better way to get out of it. Look, I just think we should give him the benefit of the doubt. Dick Grayson panicked. <laughs> he panicked, he knew he had somewhere to be and he was well, he, his mind was elsewhere, let's yeah. just say, because their conversation, well, it didn't have a lot of depth. <laughs> uh, so they would have run out of things to say anyway. So I think deep down he was quite happy to hang out with uh, his dear friend Bruce Wayne again. The thing with Batman Land is we notice every week pretty much Commissioner Gordon and Chief O'Hara, terrible at their jobs, very reluctant to do it. Any opportunity to get Batman involved, like Chief O'Hara is out there suggesting it from the get-go, and Gordon completely crestfallen that Batman and Robin have taken a break and weren't available. And I do like how much they played that up because clearly we joke about this on the show and they must be joking about it within the production team of Batman back in 66. The moment we've dreaded for years has arrived. This time, we're going to have to solve a case ourselves. <laughs> And I was surprised that we didn't actually get Commissioner Gordon and Chief O'Hara doing some investigating. They just seem to be going back to Commissioner Gordon's office and doing business as usual business. Yeah, yeah. do you know, that was one of my favourite scenes when they, they, they realised that not only is uh, Bruce and Dick away, but so is Batman and Robin away. And you think, they're going to join it. They're going to make the hat. This is, <laughs> this is the moment. This is the moment we've been waiting for. And then they just realised they've got to do some extra hard work. So I couldn't agree more. I think it was, that was actually one of my, I, I laughed out loud. Yeah. I just thought if, you, if you're going to camp it up, that is the best way to do it. It was beautiful. So obviously we want to talk about Liberace at depth, but maybe let's start with talking about his sidekicks. You've got these three women of whom are referred to as being dressed as Burmese dancing girls at one point through the episode. Uh, that was before they robbed the Burma import company. But there's these three women that are by the name of Doe, Ray and Mimi. I don't know if they're actually named in the episode, but that's the credits given. There's three women here involved, obviously, and each of them kind of have a bit of a notable background. So you've got Mimi, of whom's probably got the least sort of uh, filled out resume. So she was played by this actress named uh, C.V. Arberg, and she was Miss Sweden of 1964. 
I did not know that. That makes perfect sense. She looked beautiful. They Mm -hmm. looked amazing. They were like straight out of My Dream of Genie. Mm -hmm. Just stunning. Uh, Well, the other two have a bit more, I guess I'll politely say, body work uh, behind their filmography. (laughs) Uh, You've got Marilyn Hanold. Uh, She had a career playing a lot of characters and it was always things like Amazon Number 8, which she played in In Like Flint. Uh, She was also in a show called The United States Steel Hour which I'm guessing was a sponsored show. Uh, I was like live plays being broadcast every week. Uh, but in that, she played the Yum Yum Girl. And she was also the Playboy magazine Playmate of the Month in June 1959. The more you know. The more you know. But the most interesting one here, and this is the one that I actually recognised in the show, uh, it's this actress named Edie Williams. She played Ray. Uh, she played Ashley St. Ives in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh, hello. Which surely you guys <gasps> no, have both seen that. So, no. Yeah. No, no, that's on my to-do list. Trust okay, me. for people who love the camp of the Batman TV show, oh, yeah. go and check out Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. This is a film that literally has everything. I don't think there's a kitchen sink, but there might be right towards the end of the film. <laughs> can okay. I can I jump in there just with going down rabbit holes? Because yeah. when I was watching this, I one of the characters, uh, James Milholland, who who played the criminal lawyer in this, I, yeah. I kept thinking, why do I know that face? That sort of bug-eyed kind of expression, and he's and he's a character actor of his day. But then it reminded me of the Twilight Zone and he was in a couple of episodes including, mm. in, was it In the After Hours? So, about mannequins, that mannequins that come alive and he was sort of head of this department store. Yeah, I know so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I found myself watching Batman then going in this crazy sort of rabbit hole of old Twilight Zone episodes on YouTube and I thought this is amazing. So it really is definitely something worth, worth checking out, even just that for that That episode of the Zero Full? Yes. The mannequin one? Yes. Yeah. Because YouTube's a great repository for old Twilight Zone episodes. I I did not know that until I wanted to find out more about James. That's the fun of this Batman, I think, just seeing all the other players and going down the rabbit hole and seeing some amazing Hollywood actors showing up in sometimes not the main villain role. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of rabbit holes, uh, the aforementioned Edie Williams, uh, she'd also done some work on Playboy. So she was photographed in 1973, but she married Russ Meyer, and so that's what led to... Actually, she was in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, directed by Russ Meyer. I mm-hmm. uh, got married to him shortly afterwards. And her career ended up in a whole bunch of films like Hollywood Hot Tubs and Nudity Required. Oh, nice CV. This is actually her second appearance in Batman, though. So she made an appearance earlier this season in the pair of Catwoman episodes, and she played a hostess. I'm guessing mm. it was at that nightclub, yes. which Batman and Robin turned up to and was seated into the little booth. Yes, yes. Yeah. Which caused great amusement on that episode. Yeah. yeah. And the trio, um, they're in the first episode at least, they're the only ones committing the crimes. I mm. mean, it, it's Harry and Shondell pulling the strings, but they're, they're the ones pulling the trance and the Highland heist they pull at Stately Wayne Manor with those <laughs> Scottish accents. Good Lord. That was amazing. And can I say if any instrument's going to be used as a, as a weapon of choice, I think the bagpipes was just perfect. Yeah, I did not know they could be any more infuriating, <laughs> but yes. Yeah. So we're seeing instruments used a couple of times on Batman now as villains' weapons. And I guess it makes sense because this is a kids' TV show and they do break out guns every so often, which we do in the second episode of this. But I guess when you want to actually inflict some damage on people, a musical instrument is probably a very kid-friendly way of doing that. Yeah, the recorder. I'm amazed the recorder didn't get an appearance. But the the bagpipes hold their own, let me tell you. We still got another season and a half of this show to go. (laughs) Could still happen. Now let's maybe talk about Liberace. Come let us stroll down Let's. Liberace, he's not really known as an actor. He's done a couple of appearances where he played characters other than appearing as Liberace. Um, how do you think he fared? 
Because that's the dual role as well. Correct, yeah. In in one of them, he, he is playing Liberace, let's face it. So it's really the Harry role, the cigar-chomping... Uh, Gangster. Totally, your doity rat kind of uh, go. I love it. I am here for this. With a dynamic duo on our tails, we'll be lucky if we last 11 hours. I wanted more. I wanted more Liberace. I'm, and I'm not just saying that to appease Liberace fans, but this I read somewhere that this was one of the highest-rating Batman episodes ever because yeah. he was huge. And I, I was amazed at just how comfortable he was in front of a camera because he, he was known as the ultimate showman. So he didn't in any way seem out of place. I know he was playing himself when he was playing Shandell and Harry was a bit of a stretch, but he just, he was perfect. He he just camped it up in all, like he just, he overacted it to a T. It was Absolutely. perfect. Yeah. And having him with Aunt Harriet, who is the personification of Liberace's fan base, let's face it, the, yeah. the wealthy old lady <laughs> swooning at his well, miraculous tickling of the ivory. Betty White was one of his real life best friends. <laughs> so if you're going to compare Aunt Harriet with Betty White, I don't know, that's maybe that's a stretch, but I, you're absolutely yeah. correct, yeah. I think that's the first Betty White reference on Batman Land. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but hopefully not the last. No, yeah. well, two degrees of separation. Betty White once said that she was used as a bit of, like, as a beard, if you like, uh-huh. for him because he was being accused of being gay. <laughs> and what? he successfully sued against yeah. the Daily sorry, Mail. Liberace was gay. Uh, what? Oh, surely you you must be jesting. Sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah, he, he was. He was, unfortunately, denied it to the very end, didn't even pass that. But so Betty White was often, you know, she said he would ask me to accompany him so people would think that he had a, a lot of lady friends. Yeah. Take our word, he's planning to go straight and double-cross us all. <laughs> yes, I laughed out loud at that stage. That's That's right. Ridiculous. How do we feel about the split screen action we saw? So I think there was only one scene with both Harry and Chandel like interacting, yeah. but they had the clever gimmick where Chandel was up on stage. And so there was a bit of a clear line that you could sort of cut the two bits of film with. It didn't look too bad. I've seen much worse in 1960s TV shows. Seamless. Yeah. I, I loved it. I, I noticed it, but it didn't annoy me. It yeah. was like, oh yeah, I can see what they're doing. It wasn't quite as good as James Franco in The Deuce, but it was still up there. <laughs> Well, less moustache work. I really like this moment. You've got Chandel, of whom's romancing Aunt Harriet. Is okay, he ever? And the sexual tension palpable. But she ends up leaving and he gets a napkin out and he starts sort of wiping his brow like he's sweating at the, I guess, the intensity of that romance. But I do like that Aunt Harriet, when she realises that Harry's taken over, she knew immediately and it's from the kiss on the hand. Yeah. And it reminded me of that great Cher song. If he loves you so, it's in his kiss. Oh, that's, that's where right. it is. Whoa. From Mermaids. From Mermaids. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I know the film, I know the song. Yeah. Do you know, the one thing I loved about Aunt Harriet and their, their seductive moments was that they were sharing root beer. <laughs> they were. And I, I sat there and it happened to be a very particular day, hot day when I was watching this and he's wooing her and then he basically ushers her out because he's had enough and he doesn't even let her finish her root beer. Did you see that? <laughs> they sort of crossed their hands over and did that beautiful sort of uh, dovetailed sort of drinking of, of those gorgeous little glasses and then he grabs it back <laughs> and empties it into the ice bucket and I went, worst host ever. This, I mean, well, I think the moral of the story is a whole lot of dud dates going on in this yeah. Batman episode. <laughs> exactly. I would be so ripped off if someone took away my root beer. Okay, so what dates have we got that end up badly? Aunt Harriet and um, Chandel. Dick and his sweetie pie. And she also, winds up with a banana, what yeah. do you call it? 
And, and also Bruce ends up cutting short his camping bait. His muskrat hunting trip with his Chum. muskrat love. Yeah. Did he, was it actually, did he say thanks, Chum? And is Chum a word they used back then instead of, like, mate? Or? Very much. Gets used a lot. Does it? Yeah. Right. Do me a favour, Chum. Run out and check the muskrat traps. Sure thing, Bruce. Different connotation these days. Yeah. Yeah. Now, interesting moment when he talks to Aunt Harriet, he calls her Sweet Harriet, which immediately took my mind to So I Married an Axe Murderer. And Mike Myers on stage with his poetry, his beat poetry, where it's like, Harriet! Harriet! Hard-hearted harbinger of haggis! Beautiful bemused bellicose butcher! Harry's address, uh, we're given the zip code, 99999. Seven, seven, seven nine. nine. Yeah, what yeah. was the... Re- I, was there something in that? Because they mentioned that about three or four times. <laughs> I have no idea, but that's a, that's a big zip code is what that is. Yeah. If anyone listening to this can tell us if there's some secret meaning or it harks back to... I was very curious. I thought there's got to be... I reckon the creator, uh, William Dozier, I don't know, yeah. threw something in that perhaps for his own amusement. I don't so know. if you do know, call us on... nine 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 nine. Seven nine. So the episode was written by the guy that's actually kind of the creator of the show, Lorenzo Semple Jr. He's the one that really brought the camp and everything we love about Batman into this show. So he wrote it, but what's maybe notable from a creative standpoint is the episodes were directed by Larry Pierce, making his third appearance on The Batman Show. Now, Larry Pierce and Fiona, I don't think you've been on for any of the Larry Pierce episodes previously, Mm -hmm. uh, but he ends up bringing this real sort of interesting uh, flourish to a lot of the episodes he does and gets a lot of really good performances out of people. Now, the bookworm one is the one where I think he really went to town and got some, you know, great material. But there was an excellent scene where... Batman and Robin are about to be processed by the uh, piano paper machine. The piano paper perforator. Exactly. And they've got to start scatting in order to create the right notes to make sure the machine's confused enough to allow the little bits of machinery that puts the holes in the paper to avoid their bodies. That's some quick thinking from (laughs) Mr. Batman. I just want to point out that was my favourite moment, second favourite moment, right after uh, the... Other favourite moment. Um, no, Sorry, second favourite moment in this Batman episode in, or in, in TV this, in 2018? No, in this in this Batman episode. And what I loved about it was when Bruce Wayne said to Dick, just follow my lead and do my notes exactly. Worst scat ever from Dick Grayson. I just thought to myself, that's not even close. Will that terrible sound never stop? I reckon they just went, whatever. That's fine. That's close enough. Once it's again. no Minnie the Moocher. It's no <laughs> Minnie the Moocher. And if, if Bruce Wayne is able to hold it and to, to beat the recording so that he gets the perfect cutout around their bodies so that they survive the pianola paper puncture machine, then good on him. That's all I'm <laughs> Yeah, once again, Batman's superior intellect and knowledge of piano roll perforation machines has paid off. Holy mm-hmm. pitch perfect, Batman. Amazing. <laughs> That's the other part I couldn't stop laughing at. I know I'm going back a step here, but when he was listening in the in the middle of nowhere and he was listening and, and then he, remember he got Robin to go back to the original um, presidential performance where this all started for Chandel and he goes, go back and remember, page 17, bar 12. And I remember thinking to myself, that's incredible. Yeah, sure is, and I love that scene as well. The superimposed <gasps> chandelle up top. That's that was another split screen. Amazing effects. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Such feeling. Yeah, I want to know why they don't roll off the conveyor belt 
am I the only person thinking that when they when their hands are tied and they're going into the machine and I'm thinking there's nothing actually tying them down to the conveyor belt they could roll off why <laughs> discuss you just ruined Batman for me you make a fair point yes <laughs> I was, I, I I was, was caught yelling. up in the drama of the moment. Oh. I didn't even think about escape plans. I was yelling out, just go, just roll. Go on, roll. Stop, roll. It's only about half a metre to the ground. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't have hurt anything. Holy sour note. Of all the thoughts I had in this, it was needs more Liberace. Yes, I agree. Do me a great honour. Appear with me on stage and sing some sweet song in your incomparable voice. More Liberace. And this is the other thing that blew my mind, which I know is not new to you. It feels like the series went on a lot longer, but it was only for two years, the 60s Batman series. Yeah. Surely they could have brought him back. Well, technically three seasons, but they just made so many episodes and it squeezed so much in that, yeah, people were pretty tired of it by the time. How many episodes all up did they do? Uh, I, I usually have this in front of me. Uh, a lot. So a lot. <laughs> season, we'll crunch recording. the numbers. A lot. A lot. Well, because they're recording two episodes a week and mm. the runtime is longer than you find on most seasons nowadays. So That's, that's yeah. incredible. It's they worked their Cape Crusader butts off to make that happen. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably about 125 episodes or something all up, plus the movie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And a shout out to the props department, quite frankly, for oh. the paper perforator machine and like you mentioned the giant book contraption. Subtle yeah. interrogation lamp. And a big shout out to Alfred too because his labelling, a bit after my own OCD heart, everything was labelled. The bat shield was labelled just in case because we didn't mention the whole shooting episode and Harriet packing a gun. As they say in the movies, stick up your mitts. Uh, which I don't think happens ever again. Not She's, really. She never, you never see her threatening someone with a little pistol. Well, <laughs> it's rare for Harriet to have more than one scene, really. I mean, yeah, she, she's quite on the show. crucial to the plot here. Yeah, yeah. And and something else I found out, um, again, by immersing myself in this episode, was that Harriet was brought in because, it, you know, for the time having two single men living together unchaperoned was possibly a bit odd. And if she wasn't there, then they'd really have no reason to get out of their suits in the first place. So it gives them a reason to, you know. Walk around in normal clothes. <laughs> Walk amongst us. <laughs> exactly. I'm just trying to think what that show would look like if it was just Batman and Robin sitting around while Bruce would be teaching Dick how to speak French. Uh, what other things? There was some sword fighting a few weeks ago. Yeah, lots of lessons. Lots of lessons. Yeah, and Bruce Wayne, his, his musical ear, that in itself, that's a super power mm. in itself. I mean, mm. It's incredible. So each week we do like to discuss on Batman Land our guests' experience with Batman. You were saying you hadn't watched the show since you were a kid or the movie. What about the other films? Like, I don't think you're a comics person, but you like your big budget Hollywood fare. I do. I do. I don't like Ben Affleck. And for that reason, I have not seen Justice League. <laughs> no, that's okay. You're I, in a I safe just, space. I can't. I, am I? Am I really? I, I just, I really struggle with him. I don't mind other versions of Batman on the big screen. In fact, the darker the Batman, the better for me. When you think about Batman, who's your Batman? I like uh, Christian Bale. Yeah. Again, because he he had that he, that darkness that sort of ran through his veins. So that pretty much did it for me. So for you as Batman, the darker the better? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And that that sort of origin Batman movie, oh, that was the origin Superman movie. I like that as well. Um, yeah, now all those origin films I'm a big fan of, but 
yeah, definitely darker the better for me. But the Adam West thing's nice because for the time, you know, and I know he was, I think Adam West at one stage was considered as a possible James Bond for Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, so my, Yeah, so that would work really well. So if you're going to do Batman in the 60s, I would like a James Bond-style Batman who's very camp, but definitely in the in the uh, 2000s, darker the better. I actually do think it's a shame that he never played Bond because there's yeah. a few episodes where you see him dressed in just civvies and like he's getting around like a cool sort of mod suit and that kind of thing and like he looks good he fits the part yeah he is very sharp in those suits he's so hot mm. just getting to the point suave intelligent i think he married three times in real life so i tried <laughs> to put that out of my brain but he would have made the perfect james one yeah and he actually i think he was doing a james bond like style spy for nestle's quick it was a quick ad back in the day yeah so he's, he was doing pretending to be a spy um, and it was based on that that he got cast for batman some people will do anything to get rich quick to lose so he's you know People could see it. Mm. You've spent your time on the Wikipedia this week, haven't you? I have Wikipedia'd <laughs> my butt off, my non-Lycrid butt off this week. Uh, but I've learned a stack, which is great. That's why I'm, I'm having so much fun. Yeah, a lot of information you can apply to your day-to-day life. It's true, life lessons, really. Yeah. Mm. It's a, I could lose a whole day just rabbit-holing after watching this one episode. Mm. Now this leads us up to our, I guess, maybe the favourite segment of the Batman Land show which is what have we learned this week from Batman? Fiona, what life lessons have you taken away from Batman this week? Well, I'm going to take my cues from Aunt Harriet this time. Um, a girl can tell. That's all I'm going to say. A girl yeah. can tell. Yeah. And America is a better place for people like Aunt Harriet who referred to herself in the he gender, which I found hilarious back in the 60s. Uh, I learned that if you, uh, if you stay fit that you can keep your high kicks going into your 20s and your 30s uh, because after watching some of those fight scenes, I, I, I felt inspired. I went for a walk. <laughs> so not only did I take a life lesson away from that, I actually applied that to my everyday. Steady on. Thank you. <laughs> you, should, you should see my high kick. It's very impressive. Yeah, I mean, I've learned a few things. One, Batman and Robin should just think about rolling off a conveyor belt. <laughs> yes. They so should. I mean, I learned that more from Batman land than Batman yeah. itself. Yeah. But if I'm going to take something from the actual show, I learned this week that there's actually only three cells at Gotham Penitentiary because you've got Harry and the gang who are all in prison right at the end, which are the exact same cells that we saw just three weeks ago when Ma Parker and her gang were arrested. Absolutely. Um, and I, I love the concert that we get in the epilogue um, from Gotham City Correctional Facility. I mean, it's no Johnny Cash and Folsom Prison, but it's, it's not bad. Over these prison walls, I would fly and I fly. That's nice. And uh, who knew that a prison cell would be big enough for a grand piano? I <laughs> did not see grand. that coming. <laughs> Many lessons learned from this week's Batman Land. Folks, this has brought us to the end of yet another episode. Aww. But Fiona Williams, it's been great having you aboard. As Thanks. always, your Twitter handle if people want to get in contact. My Twitter handle, anything but Fifi. Now, Nicole Dyer, yes. you're on the Twitters. I'm on the Twitters. Yeah, you've got a name. What I do. That? It's at Nicole A. Dyer, D-Y-E-R. If I've got any of my wiki information wrong, please feel free to get in touch with... What was your Twitter handle, Fiona? Anything but Fifi. Yeah, get in touch with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole A. Dyer, is this because you're A. Dyer or are you like an Anne Dyer? I have a hyphenated middle name, uh, which basically was 
given to me because two grandparents wanted them for a first grandchild to have both. So anyway, they hyphenated both of their first names. So I just I just choose the first one. And plus, Nicole Dye was taken, so I had to put I had to put another letter in there. So there you go. It's mm. So boring. I know. Further proof, people from the Gold Coast are a bit weird. Hey! <laughs> See, I didn't think I'd ever be giving out my Twitter handle on a on a podcast, so I never really anticipated that when I set my Twitter handle back in the day. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. And you can, of course, find uh, Nicole Dyer on ABC Gold Coast Mornings. You certainly can. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm at the Dan Barrett's on Twitter. Uh, if we're giving Twitter background stories, I want us to be at Dan Barrett, but some guy in the UK took that handle and he has barely tweeted for at least eight or nine years now. It's like maybe five tweets in all that time. Welcome to my bowel nightmare. That's why there had to be an A. Mm, drives me nuts. But if you are on the Twitters or any other social media... You should talk about Batman Land there. Also, use the hashtag Batman Land while you're doing it. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. It helps other people find the show. And do leave reviews there on your Apple Podcasts or, you know, whatever your podcast... Or maybe an alternative ending. Do you think Shandell should have ended up with Aunt Harriet? I think so. Oh, and in our dreams. Uh, and, and in Aunt Harriet's dreams too, just Correct. quietly. I think that would work out well for Aunt Harriet, but I'm not sure that's the relationship he's really looking for. <laughs> no. Plus, Bruce Wayne would be jealous. I think he's got the hots for Aunt Harriet. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. Aunt Harriet and Bruce going on those uh, camping trips. Anyway, we'll be back next week with a Penguin episode where (gasps) the Penguin runs for mayor. Hello. Stay tuned. We'll be checking that out with guest Sarah Ward. See you next week. (laughs) 